You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Eagles are on the clock, and we have it covered for you here, thanks to the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleedy Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And today we have a special guest coming all the way from Pro Football Focus. He's going to talk about his personal favorites, his bays, his draft crushes in this 2020 NFL draft class. We'll talk some offensive guys, some defensive guys, and yes, there's going to be a few wide receivers in there because that's all the rage in Philly right now. Before we get to that, just a quick note. I've teased a show with Eric Crocker a couple of times, and we've just had trouble sticking the landing in terms of scheduling, but that's still coming in this series, so we're really going to dig into the cornerbacks on that one, so keep an eye out for that, and make sure you're subscribed to the BGN feed to catch all these episodes as they drop. All right, special guest from PFF coming up. Let's kick it to that conversation right now. And joining me today is the Associate Director of Content for Pro Football Focus, he co-hosts the Two for One Drafts podcast with Mike Renner, friend of the show. He is Austin Gale. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. That's G-A-Y-L-E. Austin, brother, how you doing? Doing great, man. I really appreciate you uh, Let me come on. Absolutely, man. And Austin, the draft, as I've often said, just like Mobile, Alabama, when we get together, it's a love story. It's a mm-hmm. romantic comedy. And with any romantic comedy, you have your quote unquote meet cute. Uh, where your two main characters cross each other's paths, and it's on from there. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about love. Specifically, we're going to talk about prospects that you have fallen head over heels for. We're going to talk about your guys, prospects that you'd be slamming bodies through the table for. And just to start with your list here, and this works perfectly as an Eagles feed, we are going to start with some wide receivers, because if you haven't heard, the Eagles are probably targeting a wide receiver. First up is Denzel Mims out of Baylor, a guy who has checked more boxes in the history of boxes through the pre-draft process, answered questions along the way. We saw him dominate in Mobile, Alabama. What about Mims makes him one of your top guys, and how high do you have him? Yeah, I mean, it's this meteoric rise with Denzel Mims that we've seen at the Senior Bowl. Then he goes to the Combine, you know, practically tests in a similar vein that Julio Jones, from a size and athleticism standpoint, blows that stuff off. But then I've also talked to him a handful of times in this pre-draft process, had a call with him, had him on our podcast, Two for One Drafts. And the dude is so smart between the ears, knows where you know what you need to do on a given play pre-snap. You know, he said, I have like a pre-snap plan with every route I run. I asked him to get a little bit more specific and he said, Okay, let's say I'm running a slant and ripped off like 15 things he looks for pre-snap, what he's trying to do to his opponent, what he's run in previous games. Like it, this guy's a really, really smart dude. I talked to Josh Norris of Roto World recently. He said something that I think resonated with me as well. Does the little things at the receiver position very well, the elbow bumps, the hand usage down the football field, all those things. And why he was a late riser is because of the, the Baylor route tree. I mean, it gets brought up every time you bring up Denzel Mims. It wasn't necessarily 
Corey Coleman-esque in terms of like ran like three routes, but still <laughs> was very limited in terms of like what they asked him to do. And I brought that up with him when I talked to him. And he said, honestly, they didn't have me doing a ton of things. But when, it, when I went to the Senior Bowl, I did everything they asked and blew it up. And I think that was very impressive. I think Denzel Mims, between the ears, fantastic. An elite, elite athlete. And I think the film at the Senior Bowl, combination with some of the reps you saw at Baylor, I feel really good about him as a prospect. He's a top 35 player for me. Ooh, top 35. So if I were to say I'm sitting there at 21, maybe I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, just throwing a random hypothetical out there. It, between him and Justin Jefferson, if they're sitting there, are you comfortable with either or both one? How, how do you work that? I'm more comfortable with Denzel Mims. I wrote an article about Justin Jefferson kind of early in the pre-draft process. He's fantastic. Does a lot of the little things well as well, like in addition to Denzel Mims. I think you hear what Matt LaFleur looks for in a slot receiver. He did an awesome interview recently. He said, I need some guys or a guy that comes in who's very, very smart, knows how to find open holes in zone coverage, a crafty route runner, a lot like what Cooper Cup is for the Los Angeles Rams. And I think Justin Jefferson is a very smart slot receiver type, a guy that will find holes in zone, can eat you alive over the middle of the football field, great ball skills, great in contested catch situations. However, if I'm drafting a receiver at 21, if I'm drafting a receiver early in this class, I need a guy that can consistently separate on intermediate and deep routes at outside receiver. That's the valuable, that's where you can find value at receiver. That's winning the valuable routes. I think that's why I'm on board with Denzel Mims over Justin Jefferson. Maybe 21 is a bit rich. You could maybe find more value at cornerback at that spot. There are a ton of talented cornerbacks at 21 and the Eagles. And, and like always need a cornerback, it kind of feels like. But again, I would not be afraid to add Denzel Mims at 21. I just think I, I value him and what he can do at the next level more than what Justin Jefferson's capable of in the NFL. Yeah, I, I recorded with Benjamin Solak recently, and I think I echoed all of those same sentiments. So I'm definitely with you there. Let's go to another wide receiver that's that's kind of polarizing as well. I think really when you look at like wide receiver four to wide receiver 10, you can pretty much have it in any order and, and make a case for it. But one of your guys that you have listed here is Jalen Rager out of TCU, a guy with crazy, crazy burst and, you know, get off and, and everything like that. The production was down, but the quarterback play was also awful there at the last year at TCU. What do you like about Rager? Man, I, I love Jalen Rager. I mean, him and Denzel Mims do a lot of the same things from an explosiveness standpoint. They can threaten the intermediate and deep levels of the football field. They can win those valuable routes. You turn on the tape, you see so many inaccurate passes. Only two other receivers in college football had a higher percentage of inaccurate targets thrown their way. Like it, it, it was absurd, the quarterback play. I talked to him shortly after the season. He said, you know, I don't want to – Throw anyone under the bus, but it was difficult. Like people, you know, teams found out about my character this past year, not about my my play and my production, because I had to work with a very difficult situation at TCU. He admitted it. And also, what's interesting with Jalen Rager is he was used almost exclusively at X receiver at TCU. That's where they wanted to play him. He was a primary outside receiver and really didn't move around a ton outside of a handful of screens. But he told me one of the best things about my game is versatility. And it's like, okay, man, I didn't see it. And he's like, you know, TCU put me in a position to run this position almost exclusively. But he said, I can go in the backfield. I can run from the slot. I can do a lot of the things that, like, you see a Tyreek Hill do or other kind of more versatile types that go in and out of the slot. Like, I think Jalen Rager with improved usage, improved accuracy at the quarterback position is one of the better receivers in this class. And I was talking to him recently. He shoot me, shot me a DM. He said, hey, wait till you find out what I ran in my 40-yard dash on in this video I'm sending to teams. Like he improved his 40-yard 40, 40 dash. I think he cut some weight. Uh, I think, you know, he didn't add bad weight, but he added enough weight to maybe push his 40 time down at the combine. I, I think Jalen Rager is a dude, my friend. And I think 
the explosiveness, the athleticism, what he can do down the football field. You know, the change of direction is a bit of a concern. I think you see some of that on his tape. But, like, I do think that, again, it comes back It comes back to, like, can you win these valuable routes? Can you be a threat down the football field at outside receiver? And Jalen Rigger can do exactly that. Yeah, I agree with you on the 40. Like, he put on some weight. He looked freaking rocked up and then ran a little bit slower than people expected in the 40. And that kind of dropped him out of the conversation of, like, Okay, like, you know, watching Eagles Twitter, like, at 21, would you take Rager? And then he doesn't run a 4-3s or in the 4-3s or challenge Henry Ruggs like some people thought. And all of a sudden, he disappears from that conversation. But when you when you look at Rager, how do you value him? Like, if you're looking at the beginning of the second round, do you think that's, that's where his value should land him? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that back end of the first round is where I feel really comfortable with him. Top of the round, top of round two is a steal, in my opinion. I really do think that... Too much is being made of the down and you know downtick in production in 2019, and what was like a quote unquote slow 40. Because Henry Ruggs thought Jalen Rager could compete in the 40 yard dash. This was not like they were training together. They understood that like there was a chance that Jalen Rager could at least compete with what Ruggs could do. And I don't think that's fake. I, I think Rager put uh, put a bad time on you know at the combine, but I think improved on that with whatever videos he's sending to the teams right now. I think. He can fly. I'm not going to let whatever 40-yard dash he clocked the combine really you know, go against it. I think the, if you want to have concerns with Jalen Rager, it's the inconsistency from a ball skills standpoint. Like you saw great ball skills in 2018, a downtick in that in 2019, limited route tree at TCU, hasn't done it a ton, doesn't have a ton of experience, doesn't have a ton of targets accurate targets at least in his career like there's other concerns outside of this 40 yard time that I think he blows out of the water when he actually puts on pads and plays in the NFL so let's move on from like the top tier guys and maybe a guy that you still think is a top tier guy this is a guy I, re- I released my top 10 wide receiver rankings and I didn't have Michael Pittman Jr. in there and that's not because I don't like Pittman I just had a unfinished evaluation on him so when I go back to the film on Michael Pittman I think there's a very good chance that he can crack my top 10 what exactly am I looking for that makes you love him so much? Watch the UCLA game. He goes against Darnay Holmes, a guy that has very good change of direction. He's got good explosiveness, a former five-star, and puts this dude in a blender a handful of times. Physical, beats him with his athleticism. Like I, I said this before the season. I was banging the table at Mike Renner on 2 4 and draft saying, hey, Michael Pittman Jr., 6'4", type. He's not this big body guy that can't separate. I'm telling you, he can separate. He can move better than maybe his size suggests. He kind of pushed me down a little bit, you know, punched me in the face, whatever it was. But like I kept kind of pressing him. But we recently had a call about our draft board or new draft board that releases on Monday. He's going 25th overall, my friend. Like, just to give you a little tease. Like, he's 25th on PFF's board because he can do a lot of the things at the receiver position you want. He's not just a big body. I've comped him to Kenny Galladay. But Renner said everyone looks for in big receivers this next kind of Michael Thomas. And he said if you had to choose a receiver that was most like Michael Thomas, it's Michael Pittman Jr. for what he can do in the slot, what he can do outside, contested catchability, ball skills. I mean, this guy has like four drops in two years. Like Michael Pittman catches everything thrown his way, a lot like what Michael Thomas does. And he can separate better than expected when you consider his size. Like he's not a Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs type, but like He's not this big oaf. Like, look at that three cone. I'm pretty sure he clocked a sub seven second three cone, a very good 40 yard dash for his size. Like, this guy's a good athlete in addition to the ball skills and sure handedness. Like, Michael Pittman Jr., I don't think is being talked about enough. That's exciting. So, I definitely need to go back on his film because you guys are really high on him, higher than I've, I've seen some uh, some people. But people that really have dug into his game are big fans of his game. So, I, I get it. Let, let's stay on offense for one more. Let's go to the offensive line. We'll go with. Damian Lewis, the interior offensive lineman, 
out of LSU. You have him as one of your guys. He was a Juco transfer, if I'm not mistaken, and then ended up starting like 28 games for LSU on that line. Uh, very, very good player from what I've seen. What do you like about him? Yeah, Damian Lewis, I think before the combine, I was high on him because of you know, what he put on tape in the run game and, and his pass protection was good. I think the senior bowl was fantastic. This guy was like a brick house. No one could go through him. Getting around him on stunts and asking him to move laterally will be a concern at the next level. Like he's the classic phone booth type. I think comps for him have been like Gabe Jackson, the former Mississippi State, current Raiders offensive guard, a guy that like you're not going through him, but maybe you, if you get him on his toes and try and move laterally, he'll beat you. But like how I fell in love with him is I went back to his tape after the combine after talking to him because he has this Juco transfer mentality of like, I'm going to kill everyone in my path until I, you know, buy my mom a home, buy my brother a car. Like he, like this guy is like very, you know, I, you know, you hear, if, if you listen to Bucky Brooks, the NFL media analyst, he'll say what he likes to talk to prospects about is their why. Or like, why are they doing this? Why are they playing this game? You know, why they're putting their body through these sacrifices, all this stuff. And like, guys that have like this obvious deep rooted why of playing this game, I feel like have a higher percentage of success in the NFL. I don't have math to that, but I feel confident in guys that really, really commit to getting better, commit to getting it done at the next level. And Damian Lewis has that. Like he really, really is smart between the ears, wants to be a bully at the next level, wants to have a ton of success. And I think what he did transferring from Juco and playing at a high level in the SEC at LSU was very impressive. I think he's a better interior offensive line prospect than his teammate Lloyd Cushenberry, who a lot of people are high on. I think Damian Lewis at guard can be one of the better interior offensive linemen in this class. Of course, considering positional value and what you can ever like recoup from a value standpoint at guard, he comes down the board a bit on PFF's opinion, maybe third, fourth round type, because it's so hard to get value out of interior offensive line if you draft them first or second round. But I still think one of the better interior offensive line prospects in this class. It's funny you mentioned like having that chip on your shoulder and it being important for these guys. I was talking with uh, Eric Crocker, former NFL defensive back. He's a great follow on Twitter. And he, he was he was telling me that like he talked with a wide receiver coach and he's like, why, why do guys like bust and, and why do they succeed? And, and the wide receivers coach told him because they have that dog in them. If you don't have that dog in you. And it looks like Damian Lewis has that dog, that type of mentality. That's why dudes like that succeed because they put the work in at the next level. So that's good for Damian Lewis. I like him. He's a he's a road grader, man. He's a he's an angry dude. So we're gonna switch sides to the defensive side of the ball when we come back here on the BGN draft specials. That's coming up next. And we are back here on the BGN draft specials. I am talking with Austin Gale from PFF about his guys, guys that he is pounding the table for in this draft process. We're going to switch sides to the defensive side of the ball. We're going to go to, uh, we'll start with cornerback first, since that's still a need for the Eagles. And a guy that, another guy that I really want to go back on, and a guy that I started to appreciate more, not on my initial viewing, but when I was also watching the safety Terrell Burgess, I was like, man, this guy Jalen Johnson out of Utah, the cornerback, really got some great instincts. You can tell, like, this guy grinds some film like him and Burgess are really smart players so I think I might end up higher on Jalen Johnson once I make my second pass what about his game made you fall in love yeah I think you said it it's the instincts it's how smart this player you know shows up on tape I had him on the podcast and talked to him about I walked him through you know we did a screen share type of thing and walked him through some like five six of his best plays from the previous year and it's like this guy, the reason he makes these plays is because he knows what the hell is going to happen. Like he just like he has great pre-snap reads, really understands like wide receiver splits and and route recognition, all play recognition, and like gets it done that way. Those are the types in the NFL that make plays on the football and have this ball production. I think that's what Jalen Johnson can be at the next level. He's not this like top tier elite athlete, 
but I think his instincts make up for that. And I've seen some reports saying he's not scheme versatile, has to play at the line of scrimmage. I'm not buying that. And I talked to him about that as well. It's like, it's absurd. Like he makes so many plays in off coverage. He can play at the line of scrimmage as well if you want him to. Like, I think he's a scheme versatile cornerback, even though he wasn't built in a lab to play the position like Akuda or CJ Henderson. I still think he can be very scheme versatile. I, I comped him to Marcus Peters. And I, I know that's an aggressive comp, but like they're very similar athletically, almost on the nose. But I talked to him about this too. It's like, if I'm going to comp you to Marcus Peter, I need, I need to know you're a dog on the field. Like if you're not ripping chains and, and ready to bite someone's face off, like, I don't know if I can do it. And he talks trash a little bit. He said he kind of shied away from the comment there, but I, I do think Jalen Johnson on the football field knows what's going to happen before it happens and has enough athletic ability, has enough and a very good understanding of how to play the position, different schemes, etc., to value him as a, as a top 40 player in this class, like back into the first top of the second round. I still, I think, a ton of value at wide receiver and cornerback, and Jalen Johnson's in that group. Let's keep it in the defensive secondary here. We're going to go with a guy that you had mentioned going up, Denzel Mims, and Mims got the better of him, but Darnay Holmes from UCLA. And this is a guy who had had an official visit with the Philadelphia Eagles before that was all shut down. And obviously the Eagles now, they assigned Nikhil Roby Coleman and and all that, and they may not be looking for that type still, but this this is a good player. And at the Senior Bowl, you could hear him the most out of any other player. He's one of the chirpiest dudes on the planet. And if you're on my all chirp team, I don't, I don't care, man. I, I love you. So tell me what you like about Darnay Holmes' game. He's definitely first team all chirp. That's <laughs> like this guy likes to talk. And, and, but he's he's a really really good dude. Like he when he was recruited to LA, uh, UCLA, you heard him say that, "Hey, I'm going to graduate in two and a half years and I'm gone. Like I need I need to get a house for my family. I, I need to make some plays here. I need to make some money." I'm not going to be here for a long time and, and, and came and when he did it, you know, he gets invited to the senior bowl. It's like a, a, almost a sophomore with like two years of eligibility or whatever it was like this guy, very smart between the ears. He was taking like over 18 units in the summer to get done with school quickly and get to the NFL. Still a very young player for that reason, but like young and, and you see a lot of the youth on tape. I think that's a big reason he falls a bit. He takes, he told me, I take calculated risks. I was like, some of those don't work though. And he's like, yeah. And you see some of that, like double moves kind of eat him up. He can get overconfident at times and that will beat him down a bit. That comes with experience. So that comes with reps. He didn't have a ton of opportunities at UCLA. I mean, he was in and out this past year, but I, I think he didn't have a ton of opportunities playing slot. I think that's where he's going to play in the NFL. And he had a former five-star recruit has all the athleticism in the world you want to play slot cornerback at the next level. Yes, it's a concern that he's small, but I think smaller slot corners with his change of direction, with his athleticism can have success. And you saw a little bit of it at the senior bowl when they were doing seven on seven in team drills, like him playing like kind of the curl flat zone at slot corner and doing that kind of stuff. Like he's not the most instinctual cornerback yet, but like he has enough burst to get to where he needs to be when the ball's in the air. And I think Darnay Holmes in the slot cornerback role would be very good in the NFL. And slot cornerbacks have value. Slot cornerbacks start in today's NFL. That's why I think you see him on day two. I, if you let Darnay Holmes fall at day three, you're going to be hearing about it from him for the rest of your life. I, I think Darnay Holmes belongs on day two as a slot cornerback, starter potential at slot corner in the NFL. Yeah, it's funny. When people talk about 4-3 or 3-4 defenses, man, this is a nickel league. Nickel is a starter. So uh, let's go to another guy who I love and I thought was a guy who missed out on first round hype because he didn't get to perform at the combine and then they shut down pro days and all that stuff. But a a guy that I love is as a rangy free safety in your defense, like the centerpiece of a of a middle high, you know, like cover three type defense. Ashton Davis at a Cal. Tell me about him. 
oh man, it, it, that's this is a guy that's going to fall probably further than he should because he didn't get a chance to participate at the Senior Bowl because he couldn't test at the combine. He told me he's trying to find time to run his forty yard dash and put position drills on video to send to teams, but like. He said it's going to be tough to get outside. It's going to be tough to find a field. He's going to do it, though. Teams need it. Teams want it from him because they value that speed. They want to see it on tape. And I think with Ashton Davis, something that I thought was that, that was really underrated is when I brought him on the podcast and walked him through some plays, like or he walked me through some plays, this dude is very, very smart for a guy that, yes, has been playing football since high school, but didn't receive a single offer coming out of high school, had a very deep track background and was coveted for that speed. And he sent like three or four emails to one of the athletic directors at UCLA, just trying to get a walk-on tryout, got that now, destined to be a top you know, top 100 pick, in my opinion. The injuries are obvious concern, still needs to learn a lot from an instinct standpoint, needs to play the position more. But like, the tools are all there. This guy has has athleticism, has range, all that. And there's some concerns with his toughness. Someone at the Senior Bowl told me an NFL scout said his toughness is undraftable or like his lack of toughness. I just don't see that on tape. Like that's what? Like this guy is a very tough player, willing to bring the boom. Maybe you're not going to play him in the box because he's a lot better at free safety. But like I would not shy away from Ashton Davis for toughness concerns. I think this is a tough player. This guy's willing to willing to bring the heat. I think he can lay the boom if you ask him to. Yeah, I think he's going to be a steal in the draft for all the reasons you kind of laid out there. Let's we'll keep it on the defensive side of the of the ball, of course. Let's go with who else we got on this list here. We got Willie Gay Jr., who look, Daniel Jeremiah is saying that he interviewed really well, and that was a big part of the of the process for him because we were talking about Gay as like a day three prospect, but then when you hear that he crushes the the interviews at the Combine and does really well there because of the suspension on record and the other rumors about him, you know, during his time at Mississippi State, those were big time concerns. And that's what, you know, makes draft prospects fall a lot farther than what you see from what you like from them on film. And Gay is a guy super athletic, like he crushed that too at the Combine. So tell me what you like about him. Yeah, I mean, it's the athleticism first and foremost. I mean, this guy is like a legit, ridiculous athlete. I think in a lot of ways he tested better than Isaiah Simmons, who everyone covets for his special athleticism, size, etc. But Willie Gay Jr. is just a freak. And you see that on the football field. I mean, before the 2019 season, Renner was saying, hey, like if this guy plays 600, 800 snaps, this guy's a first-round pick because he really does have it on the football field. He's earned high coverage grades in a limited sample size. You see that as athleticism and explosiveness. And like you hear like, Teams trying to build you know, defenses now, you're only as fast as your slowest player. And an off-ball linebacker has been a pain point for a lot of teams trying to find speed and athleticism at that position. Teams are trying, desperately trying, to get faster at that position specifically. You saw that with Devin White and Devin Bush in the first round a year ago. Getting faster at that position, you do that with Willie Gay Jr. He reacts quickly. Play recognition can improve. He just needs reps. I think low percentage of snaps drops him maybe a little bit further in the second round than something but like I feel really comfortable taking him high on day two because of this athleticism and also talk to him a bit and I'm so glad Daniel Jeremiah tweeted that out because when I talked to him it did not feel like from what I you know from the small conversation we had it did not feel like this these would be you know systemic character concerns it sounds like he's made mistakes and is willing to move past them. I think I didn't get that vibe from Cheyenne O'Grady. I, I think maybe there are some systemic concerns with Cheyenne O'Grady, the Arkansas tight end who got kicked off the team, etc. But with Willie Gay Jr., I don't think this will be systemic concerns. And 
what he said to me about the chemistry test, so he cheated on a chemistry test. He had a tutor take the test for him or something along those lines. I asked yeah. him point blank, like, hey, man, what, why'd you do that? And he you know, he's like, hey, I, it's a tough class. And I, I don't know. Like, I can just get on board with this kind of guy. I, I, I think I comped into Bobby Wagner, who's bad at chemistry and punched his quarterback in the face. But, like, that's, that's the type of player he can be, like 240-plus pounds, special athlete, three-down type of player. If no character concerns follow him from Starkville to the NFL, I think Willie Gay Jr. is a very, very good player. A, I mean, a first-round talent in this class. Yeah, he definitely tested like Bobby Wagner, too. You mentioned Isaiah Simmons. Athleticism is not a concern. If he checks those boxes, like you said, uh, definitely going uh, high round, too. Like, teams are going to really value his skill set as Coverage skills, athleticism, all that. Uh, since, since we have a little bit of time left, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm sorry to do this. I don't like to do this to my guests. But you are on an Eagles feed, and it wouldn't be uh, a guest spot on an Eagles feed without some hate directed in your, uh, in your, <laughs> your general direction. So let's say you had to make the first two picks for the Eagles, shot out of a cannon at 21, at 53. Uh, what's one of your favorite combos for the Eagles that you think would really improve the team and impact the team year one? Yeah, I think you look you look at the, the what the what the Eagles have in in the first round pick there. I think you have to look look at wide receiver, cornerback, or safety at pick twenty one. I think that's where you're going to find a ton of value. If you want to go after Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, you know one of the cornerbacks, maybe Christian Fulton, uh, Jalen Johnson. I like at the back end of the first round. I, I think C.J. Henderson falls that far. But wide receiver position, you can get on board with them going wide receiver at twenty one. I think. Don't fall in love with Justin Jefferson. And maybe I get hate for that, but I think go get an outside receiver with legitimate juice. I know Justin Jefferson tested well, but he does not look the part on the football field like if Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, those guys do on the football field. Those guys explode out of their stance and can win at outside receiver. I think in the first round, going after one of those receivers, if they are indeed on the board, is the move. I also say this. I've seen this on Eagles Twitter a little bit, potentially trade up for Henry Ruggs. God, no. Do not trade up. I'll say this. Trading up, it's hard to win trading up if you're not trading up for a quarterback because it's so hard to recoup that value. You're trading away two, three type, you know, three future picks to go get a position of significantly less value, like a wide receiver, like people mocking trades up for linebackers. It's like, what are you doing? Like, you're not going to get such a valuable player that he makes up for three picks you just traded away, unless it is the quarterback position. I, I would definitely vote against trading up for Henry Ruggs. If you're drafting a receiver, if you're drafting a cornerback, safety, get him at 21. Now, for the second pick, remind me where they pick in the second round. 53, so a little bit towards the later end, like middle to late in the in the second round. It's their original pick, so basically 21 in the second round. If they don't go after cornerback in, in the first round, I think there's also going to be some types here that I feel good about. No Igbenogany, the Auburn cornerback, he probably goes higher than this because he does have like very, very good athleticism. He's up there with Jeffrey Okuda and C.J. Henderson in terms of just raw ability. But the dude's ball skills are atrocious. He barely understands the position. Like, no Igbenogany is still like needs to learn a ton, so maybe he does fall into the 50s. I could get on board with that pick. I think Kayvon Wallace, the Clemson slot corner safety type, is another one trying to bring him in. I know they have Nicole Roby Coleman, but like th this is another defensive back like adding value at that position. Troy Pride Jr. of Notre Dame. Like, I think there's defensive backs in that range. Terrell Burgess of Utah. Like There are defensive backs in that range that I feel good about um, in that range. I mean, Kyle Duggar, too. Like, can we talk about Kyle Duggar, the Lenore Ryan safety? Like I think his athleticism, and I know he's a little bit slight of frame, but he adds 10 pounds and you play him exclusively in the box and like nickel dime looks and like off ball linebacker type of role. Like dude's going to be a baller. Like I, I think Kyle Duggar 
you compare him to Jeremy Chin, the two like kind of Division three prospects or like small school prospects, Kyle Duggar is hands down the better prospect in my opinion because he's he's got he's a freak athlete. So is Jeremy Chin. But Kyle Duggar is a dog on the football field. We got limited tape access to Lenore Ryan. It kind of looks like you're popping on high school tape when you do see the All Twenty Two. But like, if you don't like look at his competition, he'll blow up kids that future Uber driver talk like guys that aren't going to be you know doing things in the NFL. But like. If you just look at what he can do from a range standpoint, how he attacks the football, like this guy has a mentality that I think teams will covet as a box safety in the NFL. You you mentioned a lot of my guys right there. So I'm excited about the value that the Eagles could get. Like Igbenogany is one of my guys, super, super raw, but he's got a cathedral ceiling. You just hope he's religious. All right, Austin, that's going to do it for our time today, talking about your guys in the NFL draft. Before we get out of here, Plug your stuff, plug your work, where they can find you, where they can find all your stuff, what you're up to, all that good stuff, man. Fire yeah. away. I, I would encourage everyone to go to PFF.com, check out all the work we're doing. we got a lot of good stuff coming out there. And then also you can follow me on Twitter, PFF underscore Austin Gale. And then also listen to Mike and I's podcast. It's not as good as this one, I'm sure, but two point drafts, find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're putting a lot of work into it, doing draft prospecting, draft prospect interviews, et cetera. But Kissed, really appreciate you having me on. I can't wait to see you again in the team goal next year. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.